Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Nick and Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. For anyone that doesn't know who you guys are, (laughs) would you mind telling us a little bit about you? Fantastic introduction. Thank you so much for having us. No, thank you, Nick, for joining us today. For those who don't know, Nick is my Sophie's husband. We have dragged him here because, you know, he just hates speaking publicly about his experiences. (laughs) No, we've dragged him here today to have a chat about about we're both going to answer some questions that were sent in about the pregnancy so far. I am reluctant to say our pregnancy because some people wrote in saying, thank you for saying I'm pregnant. I hate when people say we're pregnant. The partner's not fucking pregnant. I kind of like saying that we're all pregnant because I I feel like we're we're in a partnership, us three. I mean, I know I I wasn't in there or was I in there for that pregnancy? We don't know when it happened, so you might have been (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Nikki, let's hear from you. In your words, how have the last few months been for you? Pretty fucked, to be honest. Mm. Um, Yeah, so we found out as a surprise, obviously, and um, when we found out that Sophie's pregnant, I think Goldie had croup at the time, I'm pretty sure. And whilst we both wanted to have another kid, it was just one of those moments where, like, the wheels had kind of already fallen off. So (laughs) whilst we were excited that it had happened so spontaneously, there was also, like, the way that I sort of described it to Soph because we were both having, you know, some mixed feelings was that it's as if you've gone and climbed this mountain twice before being pregnancy and you're about to set out for like, you know, the hardest Mm. one that you've done and you actually know more about the dangers along the way and the ups and downs that you're potentially going to encounter. So the feeling is more like you feel more like apprehensive than you do, you know, that feeling of excitement. It's all going to be like rainbows Mm -hmm. and unicorns. So yeah, definitely in terms of that initial finding out, that was like a really different feeling to what it felt the other two times. And then, yeah. Sort and of- I will say like the other two times have been very much planned and this was our first surprise. And I know it's incredible that we didn't have to go through any grueling months, of tr- months, years, whatever of trying. But there is something to be said about the added emotion of shock on top of everything else that you feel like I feel like it's another layer to be kind of like clawing your way out from it almost like it's like it's just another complexity to it but you I thought you took it really well because Sophie sent me the video when she told you and you were downstairs with the two girls cooking and you were taken by surprise did it take a while for you to process like Okay, hang on. We are we are going to have three Nick's children. It's pretty difficult to yeah. flap as yeah. well. Yeah. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like we still. It was only maybe the other day when So sent me the picture of like the baby that I was like, we're actually having a baby. I feel like life's been 
there's so much already going on that you don't have as much time to like ruminate on it this time around. Well, a lot um, of a lot of people say that like when you have your first child, it it takes until either the baby's born for the partner or to see an ultrasound to really make that hit home and yeah. know that it's real and it's happening. I mean, even me as the person that was going through the symptoms, I needed those ultrasounds to remind yeah. myself you're going through this for a baby. There's a baby in there because you can just get so blindsided by everything else that's going on that you almost forget that that that's the process that's happening. Totally. And did you have any anxiety around Soph being pregnant? Oh, I don't feel like when we were talking about it, like potentially being next year, I didn't have any sort of anxiety around it. But I think it was more the like particularly the girls being sick Mm. we've had such a shit run which it sounds like you know pretty much everyone in this area has as well but yeah it's it was more around that happening in a reoccurring way whereas for me if the girls have like a fever one night or are sick for a few nights I feel like I have a pretty good tolerance where I can go yeah no worries I'll like take that on and make sure they're okay but it literally feels like it's been a couple of months and then Soph being sick on top of that and also like, you know, feeling quite depressed about her situation. It was sort of like just a culmination of things that I was like. No one was thriving. Fuck, I hope this is a phase and not actually our (laughs) life going forward. So, yeah, for me that it more so brought up anxiety around when I start thinking about like what we're going to be doing at bedtime in the future, you know, and things like that. Well, definitely um, no sex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not us. Yeah. What as a family yeah, we're going to be doing? Yeah, no, well, yeah, I've already come to terms with that. But no, it's more so just thinking about, yeah, how all of that's going to roll and not just feel like you're the help to your own kids or your own situation. But um, I don't know. I feel like we've kind of already come through the first trimester and, you know, we went on a little date day yesterday, which helps a lot, but... Yeah, I feel like things are already like finding a little bit more of a balance. And I wish I knew this before I gave birth, but someone told me it's like you need to find your new normal. So Mm. even before you've given birth to your third child, it's so important to understand that all these feelings and emotions are so freaking normal because you are now trying to create this whole different life and putting an extra being in it. And that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of anxiety. It takes a lot of crying and laughter and the whole whole bag of emotions. But I, I wish, like as soon as someone said that to me, I was kind of like, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to find my new normal. And I think by the time you get to the third, you can almost do yourself a disservice by being like, oh, you know, it's just throwing another kid on the pile. Like it's never going to be throwing another kid on the yeah. pile. It's always going to be a whole new human being that the, you know, Goldie becomes an older sister, mm-hmm. Poppy becomes an older, older sister, like you become parents of three, you become a couple that has to juggle three while juggling yourselves as a couple. Like I just think you can almost do yourself a disservice by downplaying what an extra human is going to do. I just assumed that having three children would be very similar to having two children mm. and the and dynamic is, right <laughs> <laughs> the dynamic is most definitely not yeah. like it requires a whole different way of family function mm. quite a few people wrote in saying their partner has a lot of anxiety about going for another baby like do you have any 
tips like as 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 being kind of like the outsider or like the person watching on in the situation Ooh. like yeah. how watch <laughs> a little creep you're gonna watch <laughs> as how many <laughs> listeners do you have to watch for <laughs> he's got a new job yeah. do anything right oh, now seriously he's going good for any kind yeah. of intimacy he would um yeah. but you know what I mean like any kind of conversations to have before you start even the conception process around like how you as a couple can, you know, going into it thinking, oh, there's probably going to be a period of being really unwell, like yeah, going into Yeah, for sure, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's like, well, for us, it was easy in the sense that we knew we wanted to have three kids. Well, not easy, sorry, but like we both had that same expectation. So I think that's where it starts for most couples is mm. like, you know, if there's an imbalance of someone who does want three kids and maybe someone who's more anxious about what life with three kids might look like. We've had a lot of, you know, conversations at dinner parties and things with friends where they're like, no way. And then, you know, one person was like, oh, I probably would have if, you know, if he was up for it or she was up for it. So, yeah, I think establishing that, you know, that you do want that for both of you. And, you know, if one person has reservations about it, what are those reservations and, you know, how true are they and, and will it enrich your life or will it be too hectic for you? And I think that's only a question that the couples can answer themselves. But in terms of for us, like we initially said we wanted four kids. We're sort of now thinking three is probably- That um, was pre-kids. No, it was before we- <laughs> We all have a lovely that. idea, don't we? Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, for us in terms of the, you know, I've probably cheated myself in this because it was a- surprise and my pullout game is not that strong obviously <laughs> so I quite enjoy the process of um, both committing to wanting to have a baby and and practicing so it, it just yeah in terms of that anxieties it's all around communication for it and whilst it's really hard to make time even when you have say two kids going to three to make the time for that communication I think for us even though we were both shocked and surprised the overall feeling was like oh cool like let's do this and mm. And even though there was maybe some anxieties in there for us, it was like we're both willing to sort of take that journey on. Mm. So I think it all comes down to communication and it's also really normal for guys, I think, um, to feel anxious but whether that, you know, I'm quite an emotive person and happy to talk about my emotions but, yeah, from a guy's perspective, I think it is normal to be like shit scared that you're not going to have, you know, intimate time with your wife for a really long period and that you're going to feel like you're feeding, bathing, you know, doing all the things that, yeah, probably, you know, make you feel like you're a, um, you're the help. And that, that is the reality. And it's about like, yeah, communicating when you need help as well. So that doesn't take you to a really dark place either. And, you know, I feel like I've been pretty good with that in the last few weeks when I've just sort of said, so if I'm like, I'm cooked, you know, like mm. I just, whatever it is that I need. And I'm pretty clear on the things that help me fill up my cup. So, um, <laughs> you know, I can articulate whether it is for me like a day out fishing and just fully resetting or whatever it might be. But, yeah, the partner does need to speak up because it's so important that whilst, you know, for Soph being pregnant from the outside, it would seem like she's sort of copying the brunt of it. There's always flow on effects and like you guys are in your own sort of ecosystem. And whilst you might be the main person sort of giving that support, that can also really drain you as well. And yeah, so I think it's really important to communicate that. And even though Soph was struggling so much, 
you know, we sort of said, what are the things that we can do? And one of the one simple one was like getting a, a set time for cleaners each week mm-hmm. just to take a little bit of the pressure off. And I'm sure when the third arrives, there'll be even more of those things that we need to discuss that we're yeah. like, I'm not coping with this or how do we find the balance back in this? When you've got that urge to have a baby, I had it with the third. There was nothing my partner could say to me to stop me from wanting this baby I've got to tell you, like, in all honesty, I didn't listen to what he wanted. I didn't listen to how he felt. I didn't listen to anything. I just said, I will be able to do it. And the kids were at an age where he wanted to go back into creative writing. He had just gone to a retreat for writing. There was a lot of things in his mind that he really wanted to focus on. And I really apologize for never, ever listening to him Mm. because he had a lot of dreams. And I think that, you know, we do and absolutely kudos to us women who are pregnant and go through all of this. But I think we really do need to listen and communicate with our partners because just because they're not pregnant, they've got a lot of things going on and they're our support team. And if you don't have each other... It is really hard. And I was going to say, like, you have gone through hyperemesis three times. And so if you haven't listened, gotten pregnant, it makes it a lot harder to ask for help. Yes. When, when not on you board. know, and, it, and and I'm not saying it, like he, he should turn around and say, well, I didn't want this anyway, but it just makes it that bit harder to ask for help. And then, you know, you had a quite a, a roller coaster of a postpartum period with postnatal depression and anxiety. And, and once again, it's that other layer of going, oh my God, it makes it even harder to ask for help. And of course, ask for help, but it just does add that. But I think that is what added to it because I didn't want to hear that I told you so. Mm. There were a few times that it was actually in the heat of an argument Mm. said and it hurt. Mm. And I almost hid a lot of my emotions because I really pushed for this choice. So if there's anything that can be listened and taken here today, it is please make sure that you are both listening both to each listening other. to each other yeah. and it might not be that time now like there is always different times that you can fall pregnant but maybe just in that moment it's not right for both of you and you really do have to respect each other enough to go all right that's fine but yeah. what's our future plan mm. yeah all right so massive question that came in will you guys be finding out the gender? And I'm disappointed because it means that none of you listen to the Pregnancy <laughs> Diaries episode. We were reading these questions going, you didn't listen to the episode, you didn't listen to the episode. And I found it so funny because so many people go, oh, you're going to find out the gender, fingers crossed it's a little boy. And I'm sitting there going, we've already announced it's a little girl. <laughs> so, no, we are having a third girl and we are stoked. We did find out, we found out on the nipped test and yeah and you guys have never had any like sway of wanting a gender have you I wouldn't say sway. I just initially visualised myself as being a girl dad for some reason. That's interesting. Why do you think? Do you have brothers and sisters? Well, yeah, I've, I've got an older sister, but I don't know. I just I, personally, I feel like I've always been more comfortable with girls anyway. And like, I just for some reason, when I saw us having kids, I saw us having like a little girl tribe. So it's pretty crazy that it's worked out. It's funny though, I way. think because I grew up with two brothers and all of our family friends just tended to have sons. Like I grew up around a lot of Mm. boys 
and before having kids really saw myself as a boy mum, but have loved the experience of having two girls so far. And I think once we had two girls, Nick and I kind of turned to one another and we were like, oh, I just feel that no matter how many more kids we have, they're going to be girls. So I feel like we never went into it thinking that this baby was going to be a boy. So then there was no disappointment. And I think after having two girls and seeing just how different they are and the different relationships that we both have with each of them, I feel like we kind of know that this third baby girl is going to be a whole nother relationship, a whole nother human. I'm kind of excited that they're all the same gender and I get to see, you know, just Different. just another way that a human, another way a girl, another way a daughter can be. Yeah. 100%. Because a lot of people asked if you had any gender disappointment. Obviously you both haven't had any gender disappointment. Well, and a lot of people ask towards Nick, like, do you feel like you went through a period of mourning the fact that, you know, I mean, we made it pretty clear in the Pregnancy Diaries episode that we think after this the shop's closed. (laughs) So, like, do you feel any mourning towards the fact that, yeah, you probably won't experience what it's like to have a son? Not at all. Like, I think the biggest thing since having kids that I feel like I've noticed is, even with the girls and just like trying to be a modern way. But I didn't really feel a way, any way about them in terms of like being a girl or boy. It was more just like you obviously love your child and I don't feel like because they're a girl that I connect with them any less. If anything, I feel like the like fatherly connection I have with the girls is is so strong, you know, and the connection I have with Poppy I feel is really different to the one I have with Goldie who's currently a growth on me. Yeah. <laughs> She's like literally attached to my hip. <laughs> but, yeah, so in terms of like say having a third child, like it would be extremely like archaic of me to think that because I was going to have a boy that he then is going to be into like fishing, hunting and surfing, you know. Like I think that sort of mentality around guys or like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's like – that weird sort of masculine mindset that people think you might be disappointed. But like, even if you have a boy, there's no guarantee they're going to be interested in what you're in. Even if you have a girl, there's no guarantee that they're going to like princesses. You know, like there's a good chance that they're just their own human and whatever they're interested in, we will support them into that, you know. It probably helps also that you have varying interests in terms of like what is stereotypical for a guy and a girl. Like you have like this side of you that's like very stereotypically male where it's like you love fishing, surfing, hunting, etc. But then on the other hand, like you love cooking, like you're flowers. very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, you love flowers. You like, you, you know, so I think it does help <laughs> that like even in our relationship and in our family, we have very like non-stereotypical gender roles. Like yeah. we 50-50 mm-hmm. parent, we 50-50 work. Don't you, you do all the cooking. Don't you 50-50 cook. You do like 50-50 cook. 99%, 1% <laughs> I was going to say I don't touch the washing but neither is she at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no one touches the washing. I'm wearing this T-shirt for life. But I think that that kind of helps because it's not like, yeah, like, like I wouldn't say that our house runs very stereotypically wife, husband. Yeah. And also I had a really interesting conversation with a mother at school the other day. She's got three children and she birthed three 
females. Yeah. So she had three daughters. One of them is now, uh, I think, nine years of age and is trans. Mm. And they knew that from, I think, one years of age, this yeah, wow. child was saying in every element that they were a boy. So it's funny because we were talking about the gender reveal parties and me joking to Sophie that are you going to have one because I just want to come. She was saying if you want a gender, even when you give birth, you don't even know if you are going to have that gender. You have no idea what these people are going to be. And the beauty of having multiple children regardless of gender is the plain fact of their personalities. Like we we had gender disappointment. I really in my heart thought that I needed to give my dad and him a son. I always had a thought that I would be a boy mum and when we found out that it was the third and final girl, I cried my eyes out. I I was so upset with myself. I was so upset with like, what have I done? And that's a really, it's sad to say, because now that I look back on it, it is so, so irrelevant. But at the time when you're sitting there pregnant, there's a lot of things that go through your head. And I think that's a completely natural feeling. You feel guilty though, because. Totally. And I get why you feel guilty. Yeah. You don't feel that. Yeah. Mm. But saying that. But a lot of people do and feel they like do. they can't say they feel like that because it's like saying, I don't want this child. And it is not that those two statements are not the same. You're allowed to go, oh, I have, you know, temporary feelings of disappointment that the fact that this baby is whatever gender, Absolutely. that is not the same as saying, I regret having this baby. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think too, like, so for saying, obviously it's okay to experience the disappointment, but like understanding where that's coming from. Mm. Like I found sometimes like I would think about what it would be like to have a boy and maybe the reasons why, like what expectations was I creating in my own head as to why I thought that I might want a boy. And, you know, like it's so easy to, well, it was easy for me to dissolve those quite quickly because I was like, you know, one, like, oh, then they'll be interested in what I want to do and mm. I can take my little mate, you know, fishing or doing this and that. I'm like, well, is that girl, even the truth? every time I mention that, the girls want to come anyway, you exactly. know, so I'm like, okay, scratch that one. What are the reasons? And it's like, you know, I'm sure for some people who, you know, it's maybe carry on their name or whatever, but like, yeah, I couldn't really give a fuck about that. No, to that be changes honest. really in today's day and age. Like, <laughs> it's not guaranteed yeah. either. Like, but <laughs> well, but, your children might not even get married. You know, like, yeah. yeah, but like you were saying, like you wanted to do it for your dad and for yeah. Harry. Um, so it's like creating that expectation for you. It's like the stronger that you bind to those expectations, I imagine the harder it is to like, you know, confront it when, if it is the other gender. So it's like, yeah, I think like catching those thoughts early because you don't get to choose as a female. So like as much as you can, you know, like maybe do some voodoo magic to try and like make it one or the other, like the reality is you don't, you don't get to choose. So yeah, I think not being so strong with your expectations in terms of like attaching to doing it for someone else because at the end of the day you're doing it for you guys and you don't know and if it's like expectation created by the husband like oh if we have a third like I hope it's a boy otherwise we're going again you know like I, know. I have heard of guys talking like that and I think yeah not being so attached to it and answer and asking yourself the questions as to why you want that certain gender. So are you guys scared for the teen years with three girls? 
Uh, I'm not, looking dead set yeah. at Nick's eyes. Can we get through this stage first? No, <laughs> We've gone straight to the teenage years. Yeah, I mean, like, again, when I think about that, like, I, there's so many reasons why you could get anxious about it. You You're know, a right hunter, now. you've got gear all <laughs> yeah. lined up in yeah, the garage. Yeah, 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 yeah you're fine. No. Yeah. <laughs> if you have that anxiety, it's even more reason to put in the work now. And I'm not yeah. ignorant to the fact that, of course, there's going to be, like, tumultuous days, weeks, years when we have three girl teens at home but I'm sure there would be if we had three boy teens at home too and I guess it it puts fire up me to you know make sure that from the start we have like a strong foundation of communication and trust with our kids and a podcast um, that continues into teenage <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 I will continue to speak to experts as we'll we go it's well beyond still the asking. Yeah. Have to like put a little thing in front of it and I will say like I want to say kudos to my parents like we had a very open and trusting relationship during my teens you know like they let me drink a little bit so I never felt like Mm. I had to make it this secretive thing. I knew that if I got to the point that I was too drunk, like I could call them and I wasn't going to be in this huge amount of trouble. Like my dad, this is something that I feel so strongly about repeating with my kids. My dad said to me, he goes, you know, I'm an obstetrician. I get up at 3 a.m. in the morning to Mm. deliver babies. Of course I care about those babies, but, like, they're not my children. So he's like, I would be out of bed in a car picking you up from anywhere in the world at 3 a.m. Like, you are my child. I do that for people I've only known for nine months. Do you know what I mean? And that really stuck with me because I never got into a situation where I was like, how am I going to get out of this? Because I knew, like, not that I even really had to call them, but I knew in the back of my mind, like, I feel safe safe that I can call Mm. them. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I had a similar relationship with my parents where they were very, like, not yeah yeah they would sort of let me experiment a lot in turn and they would very rarely say you can't go to this or you can't do that but they'd often talk to me about it and then yeah I always felt like a responsibility not to let them down because they were letting me do the things that I would say that I wanted to do Mm. and I made so many mistakes like and did a lot of dumb things in that teen years so yeah and I feel like those memories are also what you know, you know when you've crossed the line, and and you're like, okay, I need to. <laughs> you know how shit yeah. that feels when you've let someone down yeah. who put their trust in but you. But also, whatever it might be, like drinking too much and ending up vomiting in a bush at a party is extremely embarrassing. You know, and and you sort of cross that line. And you're like, all right, I don't really want to do and that. This is again, how we learn, you know? right? And that's I don't want to do so that again. Do it again the next, next weekend. Week. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm definitely not yeah, doing that nah, again. So, and yeah. I thank Nick's parents because he got basically everything out of his system. We yeah. met at 20 and he was like, I'm done. Yeah. He was like, I've done Let's enough partying yeah. for a lifetime. Please, yeah. can I put a child in you? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so in terms of that 10 years thing, whilst, uh, whilst I know there's difficulty in terms of relationship and things like that I'm, I'm also excited because it's an opportunity to teach them what you've learned and you have to allow them to like you know you'd say to your kid don't like drink too much or like if you smoke too much weed you're gonna green out and they're gonna be like okay cool whatever they'll go and do it you know but they'll remember that you gave them the heads up and they will experiment with things and it's naive for us to think that we're going to be able to like, you know, wrap them in cotton wool and they're not going to experiment. Like I think some of those mistakes that I made are some of the, also the greatest memories 
of a life and then you also then go and apologize to your parents and you're like you were right you know like yeah. I did I did fuck up like but you know that's what builds character and and that's what you know I saw so many kids at my school who had insanely strict parents and they were A plus students and yada 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 but there's all this too much too much pressure and they're not experimenting with what life's really about and then a lot of those people spend the next 10 years like off the rails because they're like go to a festival for the first time they like covering themselves in glitter and eating acid and they think it's amazing you know and then they do that for the next 10 years but um yeah i think like yeah trying to create a balanced child emotionally means giving them enough freedom to make mistakes but not one that's going to not a mistake that is you know like a grave mistake or something that's but just giving them enough like play to test the boundaries and, and see what it is like to cross them but with, you know yeah. but come back to us in you know 10 to 15 years we'll probably be rocking yeah. in the corner fucking anxious messes but yeah. you can only like we can only do now things that we think will pay off in yeah. the future like we can't there's no point of stressing about their teen years now we may as well just put the energy into trying to have I'm sitting here an open up a relationship yeah. yeah you're a bit closer we'll we'll have yeah. you to model off oh, but the gosh. interesting thing is you look at how people parent now and I'm sure that's going to relate to how they parent in the teens and and just an example is like when you're at the playground and there's a person who like doesn't want their kid to climb up on this thing or go down the slide because they might get hurt or they might do this they might do that and like a lot of that sort of anxiousness around not letting them do those things I feel like is what later in life you'll try and control their experiences in their teens which they're going to push up against so hard Whereas I feel like if you sort of let them know where the, where the boundaries are and the same with Poppy when she's at the playground now, I'm like, hey, darling, that's pretty high, but like you can give it a go if you want, you know? And then like she falls off and is crying. I'm like, oh, we did, you know, we did Do say- Do you mean you're going to say, hey, Poppy, you're pretty high? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Pops, give me some of that. Well, that's what one of my mates' dads did say that he used to say, like, um, if anyone tries to offer you drugs, like, don't say no, say yes, but bring them home for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll test them out. Yeah, and we'll make sure they're okay before. No. But, yeah, the whole thing I think is like you want to have children who you give them the support to like have their own compass of like danger and not danger and, and have the confidence to do those things. And I think like Sophie was saying, the work you do now around that will give them the self-confidence to go, all right, this is a bad situation. I'm going to remove myself from it. Or, yeah. you know, I don't want to get peer pressured into doing this and I don't feel comfortable. And like we're you know? big already on teaching the girls like consent. Like if we're tickling them and they say stop, yeah. like we make sure we stop and we already speak about, you know, their body parts really openly without shame but also making sure they know they're private and speaking about that sex is a beautiful thing and should feel good and those kind of things. Like just oh, just 100%. casually bringing yeah. them up throughout because, yeah, I just know that some of the things I dealt with in my teens were very much about feeling pressured into experimenting things like sexually when you didn't feel comfortable or didn't feel ready and those kind of things and actually they stick out to me way more than like drinking too much or or whatever and so I guess it's just like those little things and to be honest so much of it is projection of what you've gone through we don't even know what the world of teens is going to look like by the time like in terms of TikTok didn't exist a few years ago. Like And it won't be cool by the time they're teens, but there, there'll be something else and we don't even know what the we world don't. is going to look like. I, we could be in meta land. 100%. I reckon the biggest thing that I would like 
to take into teenagehood with my girls is the open conversation. And I want them to also have the opportunity to always know that Harry and I will have a conversation and it will be safe. Yeah. Yeah. And we always had like an open door policy at our house that it was like quite often we would like pre-drink at my house or like just have friends around there and have some drinks or, you know, mum or dad would pick us up and people would stay over. And it's like we would pretend we weren't drunk in the back of the car, but they knew, but they were kind of like because they trust me to pick them up. I get to see what state they're in at the end of the night. Yes. And they actually saw got to see way more yeah. than like, you know, there would be friends there who had strict parents. And it's like, your parents have no, no idea, idea what you're up to. Anyway, moving on. This is a whole like okay, we're talking yeah, about pre- well. <laughs> This baby's not even born yet. <laughs> yeah. And Let's it's already drunk. This yeah. baby's not born and it's <laughs> drunk. How did you guys know that you wanted a third child? And how did you both agree on that? I don't think there was ever like it was never like a conscious thing for me. It was just I, up until this point, had never had the feeling of going, oh, I feel done. I think coming from three, I I love that sized family. So that's what I wanted. And I actually, I've always really enjoyed the newborn stage. So I actually always had this worry, oh, my God, what if I never feel done? Mm. And because we started reproducing quite young, like, I mean, I'm pregnant with my third and I'm 30, like we all going well have quite a large window of fertility ahead of us. So I was always like, oh, my God, what if I never feel done? And, like, I just keep going (laughs) and going. Like you could pop out a lot of babies in that time. But I will honestly say, and I I think this feeling is going to stick around, this is the first time that I have felt like, oh, my gosh, no, I'm done Mm. and I'm going to be really content with three and – I feel finished Mm. and it's the first time that Nick's gone, yeah, I'm considering the snip. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely initially wanted to have a bigger family than two. It's just the discussion that we had. But, yeah, I think uh, this time around seeing particularly the state that Soph went to mentally, I think like we discussed and Soph's like, I don't think I'm as sick as I am with Poppy but, you know, like feeling unwell or like not yourself, there's so much more to it than just like the physical, you know, vomiting or whatever. And and the, one of the biggest things this time around that I observed was like Soph obviously really enjoys the work that you guys mm. do and, the, you know, the work that she does personally as well. So letting go of that, which she really enjoys, I feel like this time around was a lot harder, like pulling back on that. But then also mentally me sort of having to look after the girls and then, so if not being as part of that family unit for a bit there because she just had to focus on herself. Yeah, it, it, the dynamic is is really challenging to go through and I think it's realistic to think that, you know, you go, oh, great, that's just an eight-week window. But then, you know, we know that when the baby arrives that we're going to have to figure out that new normal and things too. So from my perspective, I definitely feel done as well. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned before about like how Harry felt, in terms of 
you know, his dreams and the things that he wants to do. Like, not that I feel like our kids are holding us back, but in terms of the season that we're in, it requires us to be really mm-hmm. hands-on and really present. And there's certain things that I would like to do that, like, you know, I have quite an adventurous spirit and things that I like, would like to do over, you know, that might take a couple of weeks away or things like that. And I think the more kids that you have, the harder it's going to be to be doing those things. And like Soph said, she's 30 and I'm 31. So we've got so much of that life ahead of us. But I think the balance of everything feels good in terms of like I'm really excited for family life with, you know, five of us basically and, mm. and meal times. Like you mentioned before about the teen years, the meal times for me with them having boyfriends and, yeah. and all that is actually quite an exciting. Yeah. Sorry, boyfriends or girlfriends, whatever they, yeah, whatever they want to roll. But yeah, so it's, it is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I kind of like the like spillover of like the idea of having three. And it's also the, the thought like for us emotionally, financially, physically, everything and how how can we be the best family unit and for us we've worked out that we are all really really content and happy yeah. like we we really feel whole mm. and for, for me to feel whole because I could I'm an only child so I always felt like I wanted a really really big family yeah Three's a big fucking family. Yeah, yeah, That's a lot yeah, of kids. Totally. And it's a lot of personalities. It's a lot of time. It's, you know, like you, you struggle every day to make sure that you're ticking every box off for everyone yeah. and then yourself and then your husband or your partner. And I feel like if you can, I don't know, if you get to a point, no matter how you get to that point when you feel content and then like Harry and I are now excited because the girls are at an age where we can now focus on different parts of our lives yeah. that we We've put on not well, we have we've put on hold. Yeah. That's fine because look where we are today, mm. and we're excited for that. It's just different chapters. And yeah. I think there's when you're considering your family size, obviously there's the fertility side of things. Like you know, some people aren't lucky enough to pick and choose where they want to stop and start their mm. family. Then there's obviously the emotional side of things. Like you know, do you feel done? Do you feel like you want more? And then there's definitely more of the practical side of things. I mean, as we said, we used to think we wanted four kids. Like life is just getting more and more expensive. So All of our expensive. family lives interstate. So we have to consider like what is the cost of us with four children flying just to Melbourne to see our family, let alone any overseas travel. No shade on vans. I know you used to drive one. I don't particularly want to drive around in a van. I'd need a van if I had four kids. And I'm terrible at parking as is. I don't need a van on top of that. Like you actually got to think about these things. And I feel like growing up because I was one of three, I just thought that was such a normal-sized family. Now I'm about to embark on a third child. I'm like, this is a big family. This is a lot of humans to be responsible for. It is. And one I think thing, that's just enough. <laughs> yeah. One thing I think too, like the difference of like what you're saying before, to me, it sounds like it's like beautiful chaos, you know, whereas it's like there's a big difference between like being in a state of survival and like being stuck in that or being in that sort of like chaos mode and like still feeling like you're thriving. Yeah. Like for me, I quite enjoy chaos and like being in the hospitality industry, that's what I always used to love about hospitality. So it was like all a bit crazy, a bit fast and loose and whatever. But it was like at the end of the day, like, God, that was this awesome day, you know? Yeah. And I, that's sort of like what, how I'm like thinking about having threes. Like, you want to get to a state of it being like beautiful chaos where you feel like everyone's thriving. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, the last couple of months for <laughs> us, we felt like we've been in survival mode. Mm. And 
we've been you know, doing the bare minimum in every area to get by. And yeah. I would say before I was pregnant, our life was chaotic, but it was full and it was beautiful and we were all thriving mm. and everyone to some degree was getting the things that they needed. Yeah. Yeah. But the major difference in the last few months is that it went from yeah, thriving to literally surviving. People yeah. sleeping just where they needed to sleep yeah. if it meant that they would go the fuck to sleep. People eating whatever it was that could get on the table, mess everywhere, yeah. <laughs> laundry mm-hmm. everywhere. And it doesn't feel good. No, it, it doesn't. And, and I know that, like, once we have three, there's definitely going to be weeks or months yeah, where that, yeah. we have that feeling again. But I do feel like for us as a family, three is a reasonable amount where I think we can get back to having a beautiful chaos. Mm-hmm. Four might just push us right over there. Yeah. I think it's all a timing thing too, though, for people who, you know, loving that family stage and a newborn phase, for people who do want four, I think everyone's like, limiter is different you totally know? And, absolutely. Get to three and some and people's like, limiters yeah. at one or two yeah or- and that's like when you talk to people so many people i've spoken to about three they're like oh there's no difference and then some people are like oh it was so hectic oh, know. you know and i think that is so like yeah everyone is, is it's so personal and like but it's you said, the same as when people like you know when you're pregnant for the first time some people say oh my god your life is like just about to begin and then some other people go oh my god do everything you've ever wanted yeah, to do yeah, before totally. you have this child because yeah. this child's going to ruin your life like it's it's <laughs> yeah. it, everyone is experiences are different a hundred percent how long did it take for you to conceive all three girls whenever i read that i'm like like in the bed like literally, <laughs> yeah like how long yeah, no, this time. About so. 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So we've been really lucky in this respect. The first time we were pregnant, we got pregnant the first month we were trying. Unfortunately, that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. Once I was kind of physically and mentally ready to try again, we obviously had the expectation that it was just going to be click our fingers or not really click your fingers, <laughs> have, have the sex and we would be pregnant again. But actually the second time when we conceived Poppy, that took six months, which felt like a very long time in comparison. Goldie was conceived the first month we tried and then this baby... We still can't quite yeah. tell you when this baby was conceived. It was a particular busy month. We just moved <laughs> house. I don't. Yeah, I yeah. think we'd had sex like maybe twice in the month, and that it was, was it. not intentional. We're pregnant. Yeah. So a lot of people asked, why were you using the pull-out method as contraception? Well, it had just worked <laughs> for us for a really long time. So I think pretty we much. Also, sorry to cut you off, but we also like. At we no didn't stage care. would we like, yeah. oh, if this doesn't yeah. work. You if know? we were, yeah. like, for example, if we were at the point that we feel now where we're like, we're done. You wouldn't be doing the pull-out I wouldn't. Method, it, the whole time we've done it, it's been because it doesn't matter yes. if we get pregnant. Yeah. I went off the pill, I think, when we were engaged. I'd finished uni at that point. I was like, it's not the end of the world if I get pregnant now. I want to be off the pill for We knew like as soon as we got married, we kind of wanted to start trying. So I was like, it doesn't matter if I'm pregnant at my wedding, but we're not trying. And this has been the first time in the like over six years that we've been using this method that 
it has failed us. But I would never use it as a contraception if I really yeah, girls, want to be pregnant. If you're to, to this when you're in your teens, it's not a good <laughs> method. Yeah, it's not a good method. You do not do yeah. the pull-out method. Yeah. You talk girls to us. Girls and boys. Also, boys are responsible yeah, you for it. It's your yeah. fucking dick. But also, whoever asks that question from the male perspective wearing a condom is like showering in a raincoat. So. <laughs> yeah, but fucking. Yeah. No, can I say that? Wrap it up. If you are at the end of like deciding that you're not going to have another child, this is where we got to the point of how serious it is with my mental health and his mental health that we came to the decision of him having a vasectomy because there was no option of us even mucking around with a pull-out method. That was not an option. So we just had to really sit down. I tried a few like different contraceptive choices and then my doctor said, Jade, You've had three You've done kids. Enough. You have tried content. Go and tell him. You've you yeah. done right. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, go and tell him to get this new. And I did. I walked in one day. I'm like, babe, yeah, I think you need to go and get it. And he goes, yeah, I'll go get one. And he just took himself up there and did it. And I'm like, fuck, I have been just going around and around with my hormones. And yeah. all I had to do was just ask him to go and get it. And yeah, he's done I'm it. So be, I'm going to be going for a visit to Dr. Sniff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dr. Sniff. I always thought the one thing I didn't know about it is I thought like, I thought you just don't blow at all. Nick thought yeah. literally you get the sniff and then you just come it's like, dust. It's like a puff of like, like, you know. <laughs> well, at the start, it yeah. wasn't, there wasn't lots. Yeah. Yeah, so Nick thought he was going to come dust and he also thought it was going to affect his chi, and, uh, which is like, <laughs> like his libido. And I was like, please, God almighty, have it affect his libido. We need to take that thing down and off. <laughs> well, I can tell you, it does not. No. Sophie and I have been no. having discussion the morning this morning about Harry and absolutely it does not. <laughs> In one bit, yeah. (laughs) What's your thoughts on waiting the 12 weeks to announce? So I think it's, again, it's so individual. So I think the first time around when So fell pregnant, we took the approach that like we were just going to tell everyone because particularly if – uh, things didn't go well and, and she was to have a miscarriage or any complications that we'd want the people around us to know. And also we were just so excited. And then I do feel like when we went through that, we were then a little bit more, we did have a miscarriage and then had to tell people. And it was really beautiful because so many people said, oh, we've gone through that too. And it did make us feel like it was a little bit more normal. But I think too, throughout that experience, we were also like, okay, I can also understand why people don't scream it from the rooftops because you then have to um, then tell, tell everyone. So if it's like an acquaintance in the supermarket says, how's your pregnancy going? You then need to explain yeah. to them. And so I think, yeah, there was maybe a little bit of naivety there, but also just like pure excitement as well that led to that. So I think it is so individual. And this time around, we sort of had that discussion. And again, I'll tell anyone who listens that so pregnant and I do get quite excited, but we did have that discussion where we were like, you know, if it doesn't go well and not that we were maybe as, you know, as kind of open with it as the first time around, just tell anyone. For the people around us, we were happy to tell them because we also we feel like... We needed help this time as well. Yeah. Like we, we needed people to offer to take the girls yeah, for a play for sure. date. Yeah. We needed people to realise, like, you know, we're entertainers. Like mm. we have people at our house all the time like it's going to be pretty weird if suddenly like you're not inviting your friends over anymore like they're going to be like what the fuck did I do (laughs) like I used to be at your house once a week and now I haven't seen you for two months like I just had to be like to people I'm not in a state that I can be a good friend like 
So, yeah. And people would ask, how, like, how are you going? You know, that's the first thing people ask. And in the front of your mind, you're like, I, I literally can't think of anything to say because, one, I'm in survival mode. I haven't been sleeping. Two, my wife's, like, just been thrown up in the <laughs> toilet all morning. I'm not going that great, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And it's so liberating to be honest and say, oh, yeah, we're actually sort of struggling. And I know. did have a lot of backwards and forwards, like, I guess. You're telling me? No, no, no. <laughs> I told you the day <laughs> I went on the stick about whether, you know, with the nature of our work, mm. whether I would just be mm. open from the start because I was like, well, how am I going to show up here on the podcast, which is all about being genuine and authentic and hide what is like literally the main thing happening in my life. But the decision I came to is not that if I had a miscarriage, I would hide that or if, you know, something came up on the nip test and there was you know, reasons to have a termination or whatever that I wouldn't share that. I was always going to share any way that the pregnancy mm. evolved, but I felt like I wanted to be able to do that on my own time. So if if I'd announced on the podcast or on Instagram at six weeks that I was pregnant and then something came to be at 10 weeks, well, maybe the day after that happened I wasn't going to feel ready, but I also wouldn't have wanted to show up here and lie and say, oh, yeah, still pregnant, everything's going well, oh, yeah, I've been vomiting in the toilet. Like I just wanted to be able to give myself that space to be able to come to terms with it in my own time and share it in a way that I wanted. Which was why I think it was so beautiful to create the pregnancy diaries because all those moments were kept and treasured, but you didn't have to have that in real time. Yeah, totally. And you all fucking loved it. (laughs) All right. So because we couldn't shut Nick and Soph up, we decided to make this into two episodes. So stay tuned for part two that will be live in your ear holes Tuesday, the 30th of August. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.